Ed Robertson, hoping you're enjoying this special encore presentation of our conversation with actor, author, screenwriter, and U.S. Army veteran James McKeachin that originally aired in November 2014. Hi, this is Ken Levine, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcoming you back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television. Is pleased to welcome back actor, author, and U.S. Army veteran James McKeachin. James, of course, you know from his many film and TV roles, including Lieutenant Brock on the Perry Mason Mysteries and the starring role in the NBC Private Eye series Tenafly. James's latest project, The Purple Heart, is an amazing story of the discovery of a lost. Purple Heart Medal that belonged to James's patrol leader in the Korean War. The Purple Heart is a film in pre-production. We'll tell you more about it and how you can help get involved in the funding of the Purple Heart in just a second. First, James McKeecha, welcome back to the program. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be back, and uh, I see you sound in good spirit as per usual. Well, we do our best, and this being uh, this week being Veterans Day, as as we broadcast this week. Let me begin by thanking you for your service to our country. And thank God we have a country to serve. <laughs> your film is based on a true story that begins with a woman named Kimberly Paller. Tell our listeners who Kimberly is and how she first came into your life. Okay, and let me say thank you for this opportunity. Um, Kimberly Paller is a young North Carolina housewife. She has this habit of going... Uh, the art selling uh, to kind of augment the old funds for household needs and for the children and all that sort of stuff. And she went by this house and she found uh, the art selling. The art selling, in case you're not familiar with the term, I wasn't familiar with it. That's where you put things on your front yard and you uh, to sell, and then people come by to um, to buy it. Yeah. To sell on uh, eBay. Kimberly did this and uh, stopped by her house and she found this box of books. And the box of books was just the ideal things that she needed for you to sell on eBay. She bought the, the box, and she um, carried the box home, and when she got home, she put it away. Didn't want to go into it right away. And uh, she said, uh, as a point of interest, that she kept the box for about a year before uh, opening it. Run, running a little short one day, she grabbed the box, and she emptied the box out, and lo and behold, then uh, mixed in with the books was this little encasement. And said on the cover, the purple heart. Oh, she opened it and she saw that it was a purple heart. Kimberly, mm-hmm. being a little civilian, didn't really know. She had an idea what it was, but she wasn't sure. So she called her husband, who was um, in service at the time, and uh, she said, "Hon, I found this metal mixed in with this box of books." And she went on to describe it. The husband said, "You can't sell that metal. That 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 means something to somebody. Yeah. It's very very important." So Kimberly said, "Well, what do what I do?" And he said, "Well." Somebody who uh, a fine person who belongs to. She looked on the back and it said uh, Henry Schenck. So um, after the conversation, she called uh, various military organizations and she was led to call the Second Infantry Division. When she called there, they 
in, in Hollywood. And so Kimberly didn't necessarily believe that, but she <laughs> it. I found out my telephone number, and she called my assistant, Hazel, a cop, almost like you. Uh, it, she called my assistant, and then uh, who's just really wonderful and, and assisting in anything she can. Hazel just said, well, I better not call him uh, to, to tell him that, because he has been looking for mm -hmm. a Lieutenant Shank for the longest, and, uh, and I'm certain that he would love to hear from me, but Hazel said, I won't call him, because I know I touch he is about the subject. So I get this call one morning, and uh, it was rather timorous, and said, uh, are you James the teaching? Yes, I am. I found this medal, the Purple Heart, and it has Henry A. Shank, Shank's name, engraved on the back of it. And I said, you have, we found what? And then she repeated the story, and then to make a long story short, she did indeed have the medal. Well, I had been looking for Lieutenant Schenck's family for over 62 years, and I've been looking for him so that I could tell the family that I was with the lieutenant when he died, mm -hmm. and what a brave and heroic man he was when he, when he was killed. And that one thing led to another. Fortunately, I was on my way, or I had a week, I had something on my calendar, which was to give a speech to uh, some organization with, with having to deal with uh, the Purple Heart, and uh, I decided that that would be a good opportunity to invite Kimberly there so that I can exchange the medal, and eventually we would go to Washington at the Korean War Memorial and do these years into a little celebration now, or at least uh, an exchange uh, to get the medal back to uh, Lieutenant Shanks family. I say that because there's a guy by the name of Zachariah Fike, mm -hmm. uh, who's a captain and who's a wonderful, wonderful person, in case anyone out there has someone that knows anyone that has lost a Purple Heart is trying to retrieve one. His organization is called Purple Heart Reunited, mm -hmm. and what he did Kimberly got in touch with him, and uh, she, he was able to put uh, me in touch with Lieutenant Schenck's family, the niece and a nephew. My, again, mind you, I've been looking for them for over six years. And uh, so we did eventually have a ceremony in Washington, and everybody's living happily ever after. I want to ask you about uh, serving under Lieutenant Schenck in just a second, James. So just working backwards, and I don't know how else to ask this question but you mentioned you mentioned purple hearts reunited which is the which is the nonprofit organization that zachariah fike founded to reunite lost um purple heart medals to their rightful owners or their families why is it that so many medals are separated from the veterans who who earned them this, this family was moving from, uh, I think they were in New York, mm -hmm. they were moving from New York to uh, North Carolina. In the process of doing so, the, you know, I'm putting things away in boxes, and we know how problematic it is when you're moving and how things get all twisted around. Yeah. It accidentally fell into this box of books. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And again, look, I've, I, I've moved a couple of times myself, and think things get misplaced and relocated. That's right, yeah, that's what it was. And, uh, Thank uh, that's the big guy upstairs working in our favor. <laughs> so, uh, I was, you know, certainly relieved the uh, stress that I had been built up over these years. But uh, it taught me one thing, is that, you know, you hope for closure and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so certain there is a thing called closure. It, it, and I wrote a screenplay uh, on this uh, story of, and, and boy, did it really take me back through some some changes. 
and it opened up a whole can of worms, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, back to that moment where, uh, you know, when you hit in that the, the episode, that uh, the ensuing uh, uh, episode, it was really, really something. And I, you know, I'm not so certain now I will ever get over it, uh, you know. And it introduced, uh, it introduced me to this thing that so many, many veterans are going through, even as we speak. And that is uh, PTSD. I, I know a little bit about the phenomenon of which you speak, James, just dealing with post-traumatic stress. A lot of us, we have a story. It's just, it's in us. And while you can never, get, as you say, you can never completely find closure, one way or another, you need to get the story out of your system. Yeah, at least you were obligated to try. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's 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 amazing is, and again, you, you you talk about the big guy upstairs and Providence working its mysterious ways. It it is amazing how the discovery of this metal is closely related to your personal story and the time you served in the Korean War. We're talking to James McKeachin, actor, author, playwright, novelist, and a decorated U.S. Army veteran with seven Medals of Valor. James's latest project, The Purple Heart, is based on the true story of the discovery of a lost Purple Heart medal that belonged to Lieutenant Henry Schenck, James's patrol leader in the Korean War, and the role that James played in helping restore that medal to Lieutenant Schenck's family. The Purple Heart is our nation's oldest Medal of Valor, originated by General George Washington. The Purple Heart movie is in pre-production to keep track on the latest developments and how you can get involved and help fund the movie. Go to thepurpleheartmovie.us. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Now, you mentioned, James, that you served under Lieutenant Schenck. I, I know a lot of things happen in war. Sometimes you're with the same unit, and sometimes uh, soldiers, they come out to, to help other units. I mean, how, how long did you uh, serve under Lieutenant Schenck? Schenck was an officer in the, uh, in the company. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm not so certain that he was even with the company. I know that he was in the, in the, in the battalion. Who assembled this patrol to go out into the search? And rescue mission. The China. What had happened was that the Chinese, and at that time we were fighting the Chinese, mm -hmm. uh, had, pen, had taken a body and pinned it up uh, against uh, a hillside and stripped the body uh, and splayed the body so, so that it could be clearly seen. And we were determined to go and uh, rescue them. So, uh, so Lieutenant Shank assembled a, patro uh, a patrol, probably at the, at the behest of the, uh, the CO or maybe surely the, the, the battalion commander. Yeah. And we got hammered. Mm -hmm. And of the 12 uh, the 15 guys that was under patrol, only two survived, me and a blonde head boy mm -hmm. who I used quite extensively. And then the telling of the story, because it actually happened, it really, really happened. This was a guy who saved my life and put his life in great danger. And I never knew him, never knew his name. So the patrol consisted of all volunteers. And as you know, you don't get to know people. Right. You know, it's just, you, you just happen to, destiny happened to put all you guys together. Because all of them, all, everybody in the patrol, with the exception of the blonde boy, was killed. 
and, and again, this is, it, it is easy to forget this. This was 1951. This is pre, this, this is pre-civil rights. This is pre-Brown uh, versus Board of Education. You know, so, uh, you had, you had blacks and whites and other ethnicities in the same unit. And on the one hand, you're all, um, soldiers under the same skin, to, to quote you. But at the same time, even when you were injured, I, I understand that you couldn't stay at the same hospital with, with the white soldiers. Oh, no, we, no, 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 no. Yes, yes we did. We just okay, all right. The hospital there in, uh, in Japan. Okay. You just said something, passed something that was very interesting. The Army, don't forget, had just become integrated at that time. Okay. So in my outfit, in this outfit, and I deal with this, and I, I mean, I talk about this in the screenplay, that um, there were only three blacks in the company. A guy by the name of, of, of Maxwell and another guy whom I kept in touch with, his name was uh, Max, Billy Mac, and another was somebody whom I had never seen before in the Army, was a, was a black lieutenant. His name was uh, James A. Jordan. Okay, so in your unit in particular, it was as integrated as it could be. Well, yeah, but the interesting thing... <laughs> Whitehead, blondhead, but as we were coming back, I'm so badly wounded, it's a total miracle of how I was able to survive. I was shot in the gut, in the liver, in the spleen, and both legs. Now, on the way back, there was some incoming fire, and this blondhead boy, oh, God, I can't go for it. It's just, he, he was just miraculous. Yeah. But at one point, we stopped to take a breath. Now, I honestly, I don't know if this is actually true or if it's something I just thought of or, or, or what, but it fit, and so I put it in the story. Mm-hmm. Where this blonde haired boy says to me, this the young one was at 22 at the, at the time, and he was around the same age. Mm-hmm. He, he, he stopped to get a boy that he went to tend my wounds, and he says, uh, Are you the only colored in the company? And I looked at him and says, you got to be joking, right? <laughs> and, and he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. The whites weren't accustomed to soldiering or seeing uh, a black. Mm-hmm. But this guy came from different type of, he was a different kind of an animal altogether. You mentioned how badly you were shot up. There's there's an expression, he poured his guts out. That that was not an exaggeration. You that's, that's, hey, that, was, that certainly could have been the case here, that he poured his guts out. His, out. Well, I know. In fact, in, in one of the interviews you've given about this, you tell the story about how your arm was sticking to the side to the side of your right, stomach. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, forget that. Well, that's one of the penalties uh, that you go through because it brings back and make it so vivid mm-hmm. these things that happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was going to want to say that my stomach hurts again. No, no, no. It, but, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's too obvious. Well, well, again, I mean, you go, you, you survive a traumatic experience. I mean, coming that close to death, uh, it never, it, as as we mentioned before, it never leaves you. And there are certain things that will always stay with you, like you, you described being able to taste the gunpowder because it was all over you. Yes, 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 yes. I remember every time, uh, uh, you know, you belch or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and again, the fact that even listening to you right now, it's hard, I can tell it's hard to 
talk about some of that stuff, even though you've lived it. But I would imagine being able to put it onto the page and make it part of the story in a way that it could be very cathartic. And again, going back, you, you never find closure, but to the extent it helps you get it out of your system and you're able, that could be part of the healing process. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, another thing that was very bad for me uh, is that I was drinking, nursing a stomach wound. You mm-hmm. get very thirsty when you're, 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 when you're wounded at the stomach wound. At least I did. Yeah. I stayed thirsty and I would drink this filthy, filthy water, which was all bacteria lined. Yeah. The creek that I first woke up in. Yeah. And the first thing that happens, I was thirsty, and then, uh, oh, I won't go there. But listen, I'm going to read you this thing here. Okay, this is an actual passage from the screenplay of The Purple Heart, the forthcoming movie written by and soon to be produced by James McEachin. Exterior of the drainage area. These two big, thick drainage pipes were sticking out of the ground. And the blonde-haired boy is struggling to drag me through these these big round tubes, the uh, drainage tubes. And then he stops to collect his breath, and finally uh, I had passed out, and I come back and regain my senses. And the blonde-haired boy says to me, he takes a seat, and he says, uh, he looks at me struggling, trying to get his breath back. And the blonde-haired boy says, are you the only color in the company? And I said, you're joking, right? <laughs> and he says, no, I'm serious. Are there other colors in the company? And my character says, hey, pal, you were in the company, shouldn't you know that? <laughs> Very interestingly, I trained myself to be colorblind. Yeah. Don't you wish everybody did? Isn't that what you're fighting for? Mm-hmm. What most of us are striving for in life? Earthly reason why I should be any different? And I said, boy, you know something, you are one for the books. <laughs> and then he says, the big book, I hope. And I didn't understand what he meant. He says, and I say to him, no, there are three of us in the company. One is my buddy, Billy Mack. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's a lieutenant who hates being anywhere near combat zone. And I'm surprised nobody has taken him out. Yeah. The blonde-haired boy says, you mean shoot him? Shoot him because he doesn't like being in war? And I said, no, for talking about it on the front lines. And then we go to another scene. It gives you an idea of some of the other themes and topics that James explores in the Purple Heart Movie. The Purple Heart movie is in pre-production as we speak. For more information on the uh, on current developments, go to the PurpleHeartMovie.us. The PurpleHeartMovie.us. We're talking to James McKeachin, actor, author, playwright, novelist, and a decorated U.S. Army veteran with seven medals of valor. Our conversation with James originally aired in November 2014. We'll take a quick time out. We'll continue our conversation with James. Kitchen, we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. 
This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.